Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Chef Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm very excited today because we are going to be talking with Bill Price, who is Amazon's first global vice president of customer service and is the founder and president of Drivers Solutions. And that is a consultancy dedicated to creating highly effective customer contact strategies and operations. And he is also the co-author of a great book, The Frictionless Organization, Deliver Great Customer Experiences with Less Effort. Now, we're going to be talking to him in just a moment. So a quick announcement or two before we get started. If you've got an amazing story that you'd like to share or a question that you would like me to answer, be sure to send them to me on any of the social media channels. You can find me everywhere on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and more. And remember, if it is a question, use the hashtag Ask Shep. I'll either answer the question there, wherever you ask me, in my newsletter, on this podcast, or perhaps in my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, C-Suite TV, and you can find individual episodes at BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv. All right, it's time for this incredible interview today. Bill, welcome to the show. Oh, and before we get started, I realized I may have mispronounced the company name, not Driva, but it's Driva Solutions. I apologize for that. So uh, once again, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Shep. I'm delighted to join you today. Well, I'm excited too, because you have an amazing past. Um, yes, you were at Amazon and you were Amazon's first global vice president of customer service. Man, when you were there, why didn't I know you then? I would have loved to have worked with you, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, Amazon, Amazon kept a lot of that under the radar back then. Uh, there was actually a corporate rule that no one could come visit the company to even check out what was going on. It was, it made it easy for all of us, whether we were in logistics or website or customer service or product design to say no, because that was the corporate policy. No visitors, no in, no interviews. But it, uh, we kept we kept it under the radar screen for a little while there. All right. Well, it's been a while since you've been with Amazon, and now it's okay to interview about it. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. And what I love also, you've got a really great past. Prior to Amazon, you turned down an incredible job uh, with Steve Jobs and Apple because you were asked to run Apple Care. Yeah, that was short, shortly after Steve, or actually right after Steve Jobs came back to Apple, and uh, and he took over the reins again, late 90s, 98, uh, recruiter got a hold of me uh, from the Bay Area, I was living in Seattle at that time, I went through a whole battery of interviews, I was very excited about it, but in the end, just it didn't work out, and uh, turns out a few months later, Amazon came knocking, so I uh, took that position instead. But let's make this clear, the reason it didn't work out wasn't their decision. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I I had to turn it down because it was really going to be difficult for me to commute six days a week from Seattle to Cupertino. Having lived in California before, I I knew what that was all about. But uh, my family was well settled here in the Seattle area at the time. Well, you made a good choice family. And then, of course, you ended up at Amazon, uh, which was probably an amazing experience. Now, before we get into I want to talk to you about your new book, The Frictionless Organization. I know it's been out for a little while, but um, this um, um, and I just want to know if this is true. Is there really an empty seat in the boardroom representing the customer at the, in at Amazon? Well, total truth here. I was in what I believe to be the very first meeting at Amazon where Jeff left the chair empty. It was a meeting of the eight or 10 of us that reported to him. And, and all of us thought somebody really important must be coming there because he kept his hand on that chair. And then we started the meeting and he said after a few minutes, well, I'm going to keep this chair empty for the customer because the customer can never come to our meetings. And that visual, that image stayed with us. And it has been it repeated itself in board in boardrooms and lots of the sessions that each of us had. Wow, that, that's that's an incredible story. Yeah. Another another rumor that w- I'd like you to confirm factual or or still just a rumor is that uh, Jeff Bezos once said we should be so good. We don't need a customer service department. Why do we have a customer service department or something yeah. to that effect? Something that his first idea, really funny enough that you say this before I joined the company, is he didn't think anybody would ever call up customer service. They would only do things completely through the Internet because it was a web only service. So he never set up, they never set up a PBX or an ACD or anything else. They just set up everything to be done on the web via email. And phone calls started coming in through the switchboard in his office saying, where's my book? Or do you have this? Early early days, customer service questions. So Amazon had to scramble to put in an ACD and start taking some phone calls. And ACD, for those that don't know, stands for? Uh, automated call distributor that allows you to have a single system that distributes the callers to the most available agent that you might have to handle the call. But uh, but his whole idea was we need to make things really simple. They need to work well. Why should customers need to call us for customer service? So when he interviewed me back in early 99 for this position, he asked me what was my philosophy for running customer service. And I told him, what became the title of my first book, which is the best service is no service. The best mm. thing to do for our customers is not to need so, so that set up everything so well, so they don't need to contact us for help and support. And he said, yes, yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. And, and, and we can, maybe we can work together to really push that further. And that's what we did. Well, and that's wonderful. And your most recent book, the frictionless organization deliver great customer experiences with less effort. Um, this could not be more timely. I think you and I talked about this briefly. You're aware yes. that I yeah. wrote a book titled The Convenience Revolution, which is all about creating this frictionless yep. experience. And actually, I used Amazon as the number one <laughs> lead case study representing all six areas of convenience that I identified. You've identified a number of areas to reduce friction. But mm-hmm. let's start with why did this book need to be written? Yeah, um, it was about seven years since uh David Jaffe and I wrote our, our second book together, and I was actually walking with a good friend of mine, uh, taking a, a, a stroll during the COVID period with uh, with my dog, and we we're chatting along. And he's a real this friend of mine is a real ardent critic of customer service, and he kept telling me stories of of problems, of friction, of issues, and he said, "You know, Bill, you guys need to write another one because things have gotten more complicated. Customer demands have gotten more 
more have I've gotten higher. So I, you ought to really update what you've done before and use new examples. So uh, uh, Ben in, encouraged us to do that. We gave him a little credit in the back of the book too. But we felt when we sat down, we said, you know, that's right. We've at we have more channels for customers to contact us. We've made it easier to contact, but we haven't said to ourselves, why do they need to contact us? What are the fundamental reasons and who can really address those around the organization? So we felt that it was important to go out and talk to companies that were doing a good job. And that's what created the whole concept of being frictionless. Yeah. And uh, and your definition of frictionless is? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really funny because I can we can define friction really, really well. We've already begun to talk about on this call, but frictionless is actually something that often goes unnoticed. It really means that things work so well, you didn't need to contact us, or the rate of contacts goes down, that the NPS, net promoter score, or loyalty metrics go up. So you see frictionless in the results because of the processes of getting rid of the friction. So you can see more friction, it gets in the way. Fric being frictionless is really the state of things working fine, the way, the way they really ought to be working for the customer and for the organization. Right. It, essentially, it goes unnoticed unless yes. you make it a point to tell customers that you're the easiest to do business with. And here's why. And I think that kind of sets the tone or sets or plants an image in their mind as to how easy it's going to be to work with you. And, and one other I totally agree. And one other point on that, you hear customers now start saying that to other companies. Why aren't you as easy as right. Amazon? Or, you know, when I had to return something to Nordstrom, that was really easy. And it's really hard when I try to return something to you. So customers actually are sharing a lot of those other experiences to other companies. And those other companies need to listen. Yeah. And I think more important is, is these people or these companies who have these customers to, need to recognize that they're now being compared not to a direct competitor, but yes. to the best experiences they're having. Why can't you be as easy as, or as simple right. as, or as friendly as, et cetera, right. et cetera. And this doesn't, it's not just um, the consumer to, you know, business to consumer, it's B2B as well. Uh, I don't think you can turn your eyes to, or turn your back on the fact that even if you're in the defense department buying missiles, you're still in the back of your mind going, oh boy, why can't they be as easy as you know, doing yeah. business with Amazon? I mean, um, to, to really simplify things. Yep, no, no, you're right. And what, what, what's, what began the initial, there was initially pull pushback to that um, uh, concept, which was, well, you know, we're, we're more complicated than that. You know, we're, we're a bank or we're a government agency or we're whatever. But the fact of the matter is customers don't care. They don't know. They just want things to be easy for them. They want things to be uh, delivered frictionlessly, in other words, without friction. And they, they don't care whether you're in this business or not. Yeah. And the pandemic really forced companies to become more convenient mm -hmm. and make it easier when mm -hmm. you couldn't meet face to face, when things had to be delivered rather than, you know, perhaps you coming into the store uh, and picking them up. Mm -hmm. and, and again, even if you're in the B2B world, you know, we had a, uh, a healthcare client and they bought a half million dollar piece of machinery and it showed up at the wrong time way mm -hmm. early mm -hmm. and they weren't prepared to accept it because the mm -hmm. area that they had designated for it wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And the executive said to me, you know, I buy, I buy toilet paper from Amazon. At least they give me an email to tell me it's on its way. And he just compared that yeah. half million dollar piece of machinery to, uh, 
toilet paper. And I know the the listeners have heard me talk about that. Share with us the best story that describes becoming frictionless. Um, The the, the one that that I I like to talk about actually is outside of of the U.S. So customers in uh, in Asia would know this company. They're beginning to sell into the United States and and, uh, and to Europe. But this company is called Xero, X-E-R-O, and they are a uh, largely online uh, small business financial software company. So you can set up your taxes, you can take care of your accounting needs. So small, medium businesses, similar to some of the lines of business that Intuit has uh, out of the US. And and Zero's concept all along was, uh, why why do we need customers to have to call us for support or even send us uh, a random email or chat? Let's make everything available for them on a portal on, a, on their own uh, app, as well as a portal, and they can get what they need on there. And so to this day, they don't have an inbound 800 number, a toll-free number. They don't take e- inbound email. Uh, customers go to their, uh, what they call Zero Central. And at Zero Central, uh, the data that they've shared with us are 96% of the time someone goes to Zero Central, they get what they need. Only 4% fill out a little form or a little statement that says, hey, can, can, can you help me with this? And what's really interesting and good, we think very positive about it is that that particular request for help, those 4% of the time it, there's a need for help, some, an expert from zero calls up the customer to walk them through what's going on. So it could be someone who, who wrote the billing software, someone who is dealing with product management, someone who's dealing with accounting, meaning the accounting of the services. So they actually call up the customer and say, hey, how can I help you? They go through that resolution and then that person needs to go back and say, well, why wasn't that solvable in Zero Central? So they constantly do that. And Zero Central includes some machine learning that well as well that says, well, if you ask me, if you ask for this on, on Zero Central, you're apt to ask this next, the way that a lot of intelligent AI software is doing in call centers, but they decided to move it all up there into self-service and the customers love it. They, they, they give really positive reviews. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very successful uh, story. I love that story. And uh, the 4% that have to reach out, how mm-hmm. long does it take for them to hear from one of those? No more than two hours. Executives. What was that? No more than two hours. No more than two hours. That is impressive. And you get an expert to call you, which, which I think is, is a real hallmark. It's not, it's not just someone who is, and they know where you were on Zero Central. So Shep, we see you were looking for this. You're looking for this and you asked for this. Uh, I've done a little research. Here's what you need. Wow. So it's a continuation of the conversation. Customer doesn't have to start over. And really, it's a wonderful experience. And to Zero's, um, I mean, this is really a feather in their cap. They're saying, okay, why did we receive that call? What can we do to eliminate or mitigate it for the future? Love the idea. Love the concept. And by the way, that kind of thinking can apply to any size company. Uh, Set it up. If you can create an online experience that's easy and intuitive, great. If you get calls coming in or Mm -hmm. emails or forms Mm -hmm. being filled out, you now know what you're missing. So beautiful, beautiful information. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk specifically about some of the content that's in the book to get people excited about buying this book. We're talking with Bill Price, the co-author of The Frictionless Organization, Deliver Great Customer Experiences with Less Effort, available everywhere books are sold, especially Amazon. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers 
to come back again and again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Bill Price of Driva Solutions and the author of The Frictionless Organization. You were talking about zero, and during the break, you mentioned something that I think was pretty important, uh, and that was that we want to make sure, if a, as a company, we want to know, is our self-service working? And zero really focused in on understanding that, hey, 96% of what we uh, are sharing is working. So right. talk to us a little bit more about that. And then I want to get into more content specific to the book. Yeah, what really impressed uh, David, my co-author and me, is, is that they knew that it was 96%. They had a very specific metric for it, and they were actually aiming to get it as close to 100% as possible. So in it, it, it's called the containment rate. Uh, it's similar to a first contact resolution in call centers, but what is your containment rate for your chatbot, for your app, uh, for anything that's automated on an IVR for a portal? Uh, and, and a lot of organizations just don't know what that containment rate is. And so they're flying blind, hoping that a call center rep or a contact center rep will then catch that mistake or catch that uh, a lack of containment and then fix the problem. But the whole issue is, what is our containment rate overall, and what is it by issue? So if it's containment rate by a billing inquiry, maybe that's near 100%. If it's a containment rate by a tech issue, it might be a little less than 96%. But the average, so you need to look at the containment rate by issue or by reason, as we call it, and then look at it overall and, and see how that containment rate will go up over time. Wow, that it's interesting. And uh, I think any company should be taking a look at those stats and facts. Very important for them to know about. All right, let's dive into the book. Uh, you've got some great chapters in here. And I know Zero is mentioned in the book. You've also got some horror stories. We can talk about those if we have time. But let's start with chapter one, because I love this. You must understand. What is understand? And this is the opening uh, question. Why is that important? Yeah, the, the whole what we did in, in the book, Shep, is there are nine chapters, and each chapter is a simple verb. And the first one is understand. If you can't understand why your customers are bothering to contact you for help, then you really can't get very far. And the reasons why have to be broken down into maybe 25 to 50, we call it 25 to 50 specific reasons. And, and these need to be in the customer's language, like, why is my bill so high? Uh, why does my internet keep dropping? Uh, when is my product going to arrive? How can I return this? Can I cancel my account? Can I add something to my account? So exactly what the customer is saying makes it really easy for anybody on the receiving end to pick it up. That could be a retail salesperson. It could be a customer service rep. It could be an AI bot that picks it up as well using, using speech recognition. And so by understanding in total, and then by each of these different reasons, you can start figuring out what is the rate 
of those contacts over time. And you want to see the rate go down for the stuff that frustrates customers. And you want to see it go up for the issues that are really valuable for customers. Like, hey, I want to add something to my to my program. Yeah, You know what? Uh, it really does. Uh, it frustrates me when um, I guess, you know, I, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. But but as I, I hear what you're there's so many things swarming in my mind right now. Uh, if you know a problem is happening again and again, why aren't you doing anything to mitigate or eliminate it? Exactly. We do this exercise with our clients and it's real simple. What are, you, what are the biggest uh, problems that you hear about? The biggest questions that you're, or the most questions you're asked, the you know, right. most complaints. And right. this is what happens. We have three columns. One is the complaint, two is the frequency, and three is the solution. The frequency, though, is what drives me crazy. How often does it happen? Every day. How many times a day? Oh, like yeah. throughout the day. And I'm thinking, you know, it's a problem. Why yes, is yes, there still yes. a problem? And right. I realize some things you can't avoid, but it's right. it's crazy thinking like that. Well, it, 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 we see it as well. And 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 companies that, that we interviewed for the for the, what we call the good stories in the case, uh, uh, they were they kept saying that it was really hard for them to figure out that frequency as well. But once they finally got to that level, then they could have actual data, not just how often do you think it. They could actually do it through speech and text analytics. They can do it by looking at uh, the, the, the frequency of repeat contacts coming in where the customer says, hey, this wasn't fixed the first time. You guys need to come back to me to fix this again. So that frequency is, is, is a difficult one to grab. But once you get that, it's like the Rosetta Stone. It, start, it starts unlocking a lot of really great insights. Mm. Do you have a favorite chapter in the book or a favorite strategy? Or how about this? A favorite verb? <laughs> a favorite <laughs> verb. Yeah. My favorite verb, it actually plays exactly to what we described here. So it's almost like part two, Shep, which is eliminate. How can okay, we- Which is chapter that, three. Chapter three. So we talked about digitize, chapter four, five. We got a couple of chapters on digitize and, and preempting, which we talked about with uh, zero. But chapter three, eliminate says- so hold on a minute. If this really is frustrating your customers and it's a contact that you really don't want to have to take, meaning it's, it's just going to be very time consuming and expensive, how can you do some sort of root cause analysis and eliminate it at the, at completely from happening? And, and so we hear a lot about digital first strategies and, and I'm all big. I'm a big fan for years, even before Amazon of having great digital solutions, but it's actually it should be eliminate first. Because if the problem re recurs and it's one of these frustrating issues, and I'll give you an example, my internet keeps going down. You and I chatted about that before the session started. Well, that happens all the time and internet service providers know that it's a big issue and there are about eight or 10 principal root causes. And they constantly go through their inventory to figure out, is it speed? Is it this? Is it that? But it, if these are recurring problems at the customer level, they're very expensive to identify, very expensive to resolve. You have to send a technician out once or twice or more than that to fix it. And so they become hugely expensive and, and intrusive. And so it should, it should be so important for companies to figure out which of these reasons are so frustrating that they need to be eliminated. And let's figure out how to eliminate them. And the how to eliminate them means engaging all the business together to figure out the solution. The finance folks to come up with some of the money to do the, the deep dive uh, tools. The product design group, maybe the, uh, the group that does uh, outbound uh, dispatching of a technician or uh, a truck roll to fix something. Uh, the marketing team that actually promises or over promises what can be delivered. These are all the possible root causes. So 
by engaging what we call the whole of business, you can start eliminating these things. So we see eliminate being one that produces the most value, the, high, the highest amount of return, partly because it's the, the biggest pain that customers are expressing to you. One other quick point on that is that when we look at the eliminate reasons, like my internet keeps dropping or my bill is wrong, things like that, their churn is sometimes six times higher than the average churn in an organization. So just to say that again, that particular, those particular reasons lead to much, much faster and more damaging churn and turnover than the ones that are digitized or ones that might be a little more positive. And when we come up with those sorts of data, CEOs and CFOs go, wait a minute now, let's attack those. But you got to get that level of detail that says our overall rate of contacts is this. Now let's break it down by the ones that are the most frustrating ones. They fall into this corner called eliminate, chapter three. And let's figure out what we can do there because we can reduce that churn and improve the overall uh, retention for the organization. Right. So even if 96% yeah. of like for Zero's example, 96% yeah. of those calls, or I'm sorry, of those problems are answered digitally through a self-service portal, right. we should still be taking a look at why are people still having the call or reach totally. out to us for, or, you know, the self-service for any of the problems Anything. we need to eliminate. Why, why is the word, why is the, the question? You know, why are they doing this? Why did this happen? Okay. It happened, it happened for this reason. Well, why is that? You know, the classic five whys of, of doing that type of root cause analysis is still very valid. And, and uh, those whys really need to be asked and answered by departments other than customer service other than the customer-facing teams. Again, product development, IT, uh, dispatch, web development, et cetera. Then, then you can start really getting to the root causes. Yep. So the goal here, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this a little bit, it's not to use digital self-service frictionless or less friction type solutions mm -hmm. to allow customers to get answers. So we're mm -hmm. not trying to eliminate people. Well, we are eliminating people having to make the phone call. We make right. it easier for them, but why not right. just eliminate the problem so they don't even have to get the digital or self-service yes. uh, issue resolved that way? That was perfect. All right, we're running out of time and I have two things and I don't know if you can do both of them. I always end with the one thing question, but there is a a, a comment here. I wanna, I'm intrigued by, uh, let's scare the audience. Give us like a 60 second story that scares the audience into wanting to take action on the things we've been talking about today and specifically why they should get out there and buy that book. Yeah. Uh, okay. Quick 60 second example. And this is, this is a whole product example. Um, when, uh, when Cisco and, uh, and WebEx were, were moving along very swiftly, very positively, they, one of the chief engineers of the WebEx system said, we need a simpler tool than WebEx. We need a tool, a solution, a video tool that makes it easier to set up. That's easier to manipulate, easier to work with. Um, and by the way, for those that know what, don't know what WebEx is, it, it's the early, I mean, they were yeah. really early in the game with webinars and online types of, of programming. Now, thanks to the pandemic, everybody knows about Zoom and other video right. type solutions. Well, and, and that, that's exactly the punchline because that guy at WebEx left and formed Zoom. Well, there and you what, go. <laughs> and what he did was say exactly that, which is if, I, if you can't do it, if we can't do it within WebEx, he was thinking about like a WebEx Lite, L-I-T-E, and, and they wouldn't do it. So he went off, raised some money, created Zoom, been a big success story. We're using Zoom right now in this discussion. At any rate, it's a good story of, you know, if you don't keep things simple, if you don't make it really simple and easy for customers, someone else will do it 
for you. All right. You know, that's almost strong enough to end on, but I always ask the one thing question. So I'm still going to ask it. Is there one last nugget of information you like to share something out of the book, another story? This is fascinating. By the way, we can go on and on for hours with this conversation because I love talking about what you're talking about. I'll, I'll leave you with one more, which is something that I've written about recently too, which is how do you deal with the question from a customer? I want to cancel my account. Ooh, ouch. Okay, how do you deal with that? Do you put a button on your website that says cancel? Do you route them to a high-level experienced sales person who puts them through the paces to figure out figure out what's going on, making some new offer? What we what's really important is to figure out why did they get to that stage that they have to cancel the account? Were they a bad fit in the first place? Uh, did they have a series of mistakes and problems along the way that weren't resolved? So the idea is that's a huge litmus test to figure out what to do and to become frictionless. Wow. So great insights. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thank you so much for being on the show today. My delight, Shep. It was great to work with you and uh, congratulations on, on, on a wonderful podcast series. Well, thank you very much. Again, the book by Bill Price is The Frictionless Organization. Deliver great customer experiences with less effort. Go out, get it today, and please come back next week for another amazing interview. I promise we will have a great one. And until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.